You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Hey, well... It is good to see you too today, and if you're new here, we've been in this series of conversations about spiritual warfare, where a lot of us are really just opening our eyes to the reality of a spiritual battle that's happening all around us, and we've seen in the realm of entertainment a lot of bad examples of people giving themselves over to the dark spirits, but today I want to show you kind of a good story in that, and the story's related to someone known as Black China. You know, Black China has recent in recent days come to faith in Jesus, and she was most well-known for being like a stripper model influencer and the former girlfriend of Rob Kardashian. So uh, some of you perhaps have uh, been familiarized with her, um, but now that she's come to faith in Jesus, she actually had her demonic Baphomet tattoo removed. She had several pounds of you know, filler removed from her butt and several other like other types of, you know, cosmetic procedures reversed that were kind of those over the top cosmetic procedures. And she even went to Bible college and she got her doctorate degree in theology at a school in California, the Sacramento Theological Seminary and Bible College. And so she's no longer going by her stage name of Black China, but now she goes by her given name and her educational title which is Dr. Angela Renee White. And one of the things that I think is very interesting about Dr. Angela's story is that at her baptism, she claims that demons literally came out of her when she was raised up out of the water. Um, Isn't that a cool story that she's gone through so much transformation and change, right? And... And I know what some of you are thinking, you know, you're thinking the same thing that I sometimes think is I'm a little skeptical sometimes of celebrities who go through these conversions. But look, I got to give it to the woman that she was willing to go through the painful process of tattoo removal and she was willing to earn a doctorate degree. And so uh, I'm rooting for Dr. Angela, man. The Bible tells us that love believes the best about other people. And so I'm rooting for uh, things go well for her. And here's what I would suggest today is that I believe that Black China, when she was going by that name, she was held down and held back in her spiritual journey by literal demonic spirits, see? Um, But once she came to faith in Christ, she began to be free from this. She realized there was a spiritual battle at play. And a lot of us have been engaging in the spiritual battle by praying a spiritual warfare prayer every day during this series. And that's why you'll see the QR code on screen as well as on the front of the stage and at different places in the the, the facilities here is that you can hit that QR code and you can get the audio or the typed out version of that prayer. And you can pray that prayer every day to engage in the spiritual battle. Um, And, you know, the reason that I opened up with Dr. Angela's story or the former, you know, person known as Black China is because when she was Black China, she was known for being a seductress and a manipulator. Um, And the Bible character we're going to study today is named Jezebel, who's also known for being a seductress and a manipulator. And I part of the thing that kind of motivated me to do this teaching is some time back, I had a dream. 
And sometimes dreams can be spiritual, and sometimes it's just because I ate a bad burrito or something like that, right, you know? Uh, but this one was an unusually vivid dream, and I tend to think it was a spiritual dream, like a message from God for me. But in my dream, I was laying on the ground, and these two skeleton hands were grabbing my shoulders, holding me down on the ground. And I sensed that it was some type of evil presence. And so I said, in my dream, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to release me. In the name of Jesus, let me go. And the skeleton hands let go of me. And I was able to get up and move forward. And then I had this thought, Jezebel, in my dream. And then I woke up from the dream. Well, what's with the skeleton hands, right? And I didn't really remember all the details of the Jezebel story from the Bible. So I had to go back and reread the story, but I'll tell you this, anytime there's a Jezebel, there needs to be a Jehu. And a Jehu is the kind of a guy that doesn't suffer fools that's willing to deal with a Jezebel manipulator. And he was the one who was able to bring the Jezebel to an end. And so let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we're going to see the ending of the evil, murderous, seductive queen Jezebel in 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 30 through 35, selected verses. It says, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. A lot of J names in the Bible, if you will. And she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. See what she's doing there? She's trying to make herself up to look good to manipulate Jehu. But he doesn't play that. Some time passes and he tells to the guys upstairs that are with her, he says, hey, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall on the horses, and they trampled on her. By the way, have you ever heard that person say the Bible's boring? This, this, this scene is more like a scene from Narcos, like a, you know, a Netflix original or something like that. They threw her down from the building, and blood splattered everywhere. But when they went to bury her, this is sometime later, they went to bury her. They found no more of her. Then the skull and the feet and the palms of her what? Hands, skeleton hands there. And as we study this wicked personality, Jezebel, you got to know there's a Jezebel somewhere as you're rising in your leadership that wants to hold you down. And that's why we've got a transforming declaration today. And it's simply this, Jezebel don't hold me down. So when I point to you, will you say it out loud with me? And if you're watching online today, will you post it online with a fire emoji? Let's say it together with power and conviction. Ready? Jezebel, don't hold me down. Okay. So you can go ahead and take a load off and take a seat. Don't let Jezebel hold you down, but do take a seat just for a minute. And Jezebel is not just a historical person from first and second Kings in the old Testament of the Bible, but I believe that Jezebel is a spirit and an attitude. That's why we see Jezebel mentioned in first and second Kings in the old Testament. And hundreds of years later in the last book of the Bible revelation, you see Jezebel mentioned yet again, because it's a spirit. It's not just a historical person there. And I believe that there are Jezebels operating in churches, in businesses, in schools, in homes, in every place that people gather. And I like the words of the author of The Art of War, Sun Tzu, who said, if you know the enemy and know yourself, 
you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. He goes on to say, if you know yourself and not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And for us today, we're going to learn all these characteristics of a Jezebel so that we know our enemy. We must know our enemy. We must know ourselves. And then we must know the Lord who helps us overcome all of these enemies. Now, I need to give you a couple of disclaimers before we start talking about Jezebels today, okay? And the first disclaimer is simply this. Let's not go on Jezebel witch hunts. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever known someone that come to church, they hear a teaching like this, and they're, they, they're like, anybody who disagrees with them, clearly a Jezebel. She, he disagrees with she disagrees with me. Got to be a Jezebel. And I don't want to hear any stories of, you know, men making inappropriate jokes to their wives. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, my wife didn't do what I said. She's clearly a Jezebel, right? You know, I don't want to get any emails. It's like my husband, uh, you know, my husband, Pastor Doug says to me, um, the cowboys are on Jezebel. Get me a beer. Okay. I don't want to hear any of that. Um, so, so let's be careful about speaking something onto someone. Remember the service where we said no spin zone? Yeah. Remember when Pastor Joe taught us make no agreements? So let's not speak that identity into or onto anyone. Let's not go on Jezebel witch hunts around here. Now, second disclaimer I need to give you is that in the Bible, Jehu dealt with Jezebel with violence, like they had her thrown down out of a building. Okay, I'm not asking you to do violence on anyone, okay? Don't throw a Jezebel off of, off of the second story of a building or something like that. Um, we're in a spiritual battle, not a physical battle, so there's no need to do anyone any physical harm. But the spiritual battle is real. Some of you are stepping up to it. And I'm challenging you in this series to not be little baby Christians that need your baby diapers changed all the time, but to step out to be spiritual warriors in a very real spiritual battle that's going on around us. And I'm so proud of so many of you because you are stepping up to your role as a spiritual warrior in the spiritual realm. And I've got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to talk about seven characteristics of a Jezebel and then some. So hang with me because it's going to be a lot of content. And you know, some uh, services are for more of the thinkers and some are for more the feelers. And there's going to be uh, a little more thinking in this one. Okay. So look at number one, the Jezebel spirit operates on a man and a woman. So I don't want you to feel like this is some misogynist talk, you know, where men are better than women or anything like that. Now, clearly we do know that um, action films are better than chick flicks, okay? But we're not saying that men are better than women today, and there can be man Jezebels too. I'll call it a Jeffabel, okay? Uh, a man Jezebel is a Jeffabel there. But one of the things that you'll see is, is that the Elijah prophetic voice always agitates and stirs up the Jezebel spirit, makes, makes a Jezebel angry, whether it's a Jezebel or a Jephabel, um, the, the servant of God with a prophetic voice oftentimes will stir that up. And, and by the way, could I just say this, is that those of us that are trying to be men of God, we're secure enough in ourselves to empower the ladies around us. So this isn't just a, you know, throwing down on women who are, who are Jezebels today. Because remember, Acts tells us that in these last days, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. See, so there can be women Elijahs and uh, there can be men Jezebels from time to time. And uh, can I just suggest this to you though? 
When I start talking about men living in their God-given masculinity and stepping up to their identity in Christ, does it agitate you any? See, we're not into toxic masculinity, but we're also not into toxic femininity. So look, um, um, let's not um, let's not be agitated. If you've been agitated by men stepping up to their identity in Christ and being men, could it be that the Jezebel has affected your thinking in some way? Now, I'm going to show you some examples of some Jezebels that are both men and women. Okay, the first one I want to show you is Herod the Great. Okay, when I say Herod the Great, you say Jezebel. Okay, ready? Here we go. Herod the Great. Okay, now the reason I'm having you do that is because Herod was a title, and there were several different Herods, right? So there was Herod the Great, and then there was his son named Herod Antipas. When I say Herod Antipas, I want you to say Ahab. Ahab starts with A, Antipas starts with A, okay? So can you remember that? Here we go, ready? Herod Antipas. Okay. Herod the Great. Herod Antipas. Okay. Some of you almost forgot how, that, how it goes, okay? So there, there's a reason I'm having you remember that. Herod the Great had a Jezebel spirit. We know this because he, he, he fits every characteristic of a Jezebel I'm about to teach you. He, a manipulator through and through. Herod the Great was the Herod that was the king in charge of the region when Jesus was being born. And if you remember the story of Jesus' birth, this was the guy that was trying to manipulate the magi or the wise men into revealing the location of the baby Jesus. But God had to speak to them through a dream to warn them not to trust Herod because he's a manipulator. Furthermore, this particular Herod would take out anybody that he thought was against him, even his own family members. He was a murderer. He further manipulated when he created a harbor called Caesarea by the sea. He named it Caesarea after the Caesar because he was manipulating the Caesar to gain favor from the Caesar. So Herod the Great was a... Thank you for the three of you that remembered it. Let's try again. Herod the Great was a... Now we're on to Herod Antipas, who was a, an Ahab, right? Now, Ahabs always have a spouse who's a Jezebel. And who was the spouse of Herod Antipas? Well, it was a woman named Herodias. And Herodias was clearly a Jezebel. She clearly had a Jezebel spirit on her. In fact, if you remember one night at a party with Herod Antipas and all these dignitaries, this Jezebel named Herodias invited her young daughter and teenage daughter to come and do a sensual dance in front of Herod Antipas. And after she did the dance, Herod, was, Herod Antipas was so pleased by it. He said, I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. And what does the teenage dancer girl do? She goes back to her mom. Because when there's a Jezebel in the equation, they even want to control what other people want. See, that's how controlling a Jezebel is. She goes back to her mom, and her mom says, here's what you asked for. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. Now, why does this Jezebel Herodias want the head of John the Baptist? Because remember, Jezebel spirits are always agitated by who? Elijah's 
Well, who is John the Baptist compared to in the New Testament? The scriptures say he operated in the spirit of Elijah. See, so they're always agitated by the prophetic voice of Elijah and Jezebel's hate all Christ following spiritual leaders and Christ following business leaders and faithful tribe group leaders. If you lead anything, you will at some point encounter a Jezebel. But look at the second characteristic of a Jezebel. They're controlling and manipulative. Jezebels are very methodical and patient in the way that they will just one degree at a time methodically manipulate other people. And we see this in the story of Naboth. Now, when I say Naboth, you say vineyard. You ready? Here we go. Naboth. And the reason we said vineyard is because this man Naboth owned a wonderful and he worked a vineyard. And he'd been given this vineyard by his ancestors, by his parents. And he loved this vineyard because it had this sentimental attachment. He'd it'd been passed down in his family. But Ahab, Jezebel's husband, wanted Naboth's vineyard. And Naboth was not about to sell that vineyard because it meant so much to him. So this is where the Jezebel goes to work manipulating. Let me show you what she did in 1 Kings chapter 21. We'll look at selected verses from verse 8 through 23. It says, watch what she does. She wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, you have cursed God and the king. See what she's doing there? Then take him out and stone him to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money for Naboth is not alive, but dead. You see what she did? She wrote a letter and framed a man of blasphemy against the king and against God. And it caused the leaders in his community to stone him to death so that Jezebel could steal his vineyard that he wasn't willing to sell. This is how Jezebels operate. Control and manipulation are characteristics of witchcraft. Look, The fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Jezebel is people control. They love to control other people. Now, a lot of Jezebels have what we call a father wound. Jezebel had been given away in an arranged marriage to Ahab by her father. She perhaps felt rejected by her father. And I heard an interesting theory lately from pastor and author Robert Morris, who says that Jonathan, King David's best friend, could have been a Jezebel. I mean, Jonathan, David's best friend, could have had a Jezebel spirit on him. I'll show you why he thinks this. Because Jonathan had a father wound from his dad, Saul. Furthermore, uh, Jonathan and David made three agreements together. And all of those agreements were weighted in favor of Jonathan. It was always... Um, Jonathan wanting King David to protect him and his family. And then three out of the four times that Saul was able to find David when David was running for his life from Saul, 
there was only one person that knew where he was. That was Jonathan. So the theory is that Jonathan was working both Saul, his father, who was the king, and David before David was the king. He was working them both at the same time because his thinking could have been if Saul defeats David and David is dead, then someday I will rise to the throne, Jonathan's thinking. But if David kills Saul, then at least I'll be able to live and I'll be second in command in the city. You see the thinking there? And so let me show you a psalm without all this in mind, a psalm when David was on the run from Saul. It's Psalm chapter 55, verse 12. It says, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, the close friend. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. So look, I don't know for sure if Jonathan was a Jezebel or not, but I do know this, that Jezebels can pretend to be your friend with an agenda in mind. Following. Now, look at the third characteristic of the Jezebel's intimidation. This happened with Jezebel against the prophet Elijah after Elijah had taken out the false prophets of Baal. And if you don't know the story, Jezebel worshiped the false gods of the Baals. And so these false prophets of Baal have been taken out by Elijah. And look at what happens next in 1 Kings 19, 2 through 3. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he rose and he ran for his life. Jezebel didn't kill Elijah. If she wanted to kill him, she would have sent an assassin. She just wanted to intimidate him and make him afraid. So she sent a messenger to him. But look at the next characteristic of Jezebel. Number four is seduction and sexual immorality. Now, we've been in the Old Testament, first Kings, but remember the Jezebel spirit is, is still alive even in the New Testament later in Revelation. So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, where Jesus is confronting the pastor of a church and he says, I have this against you that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who is teaching and doing what? Seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. And look, look, check it out. How many of us, when we were in high school and we dated people and we made dumb decisions because our hormones were raging, right? This is one of the primary tools of the Jezebel spirit to seduce us, to trick us through our hormones and the chemicals that are raging in our body, utilizing seduction and lust. And one of the things that Jezebels often do is they're going to say things are okay, sexual practices are okay, that the Bible says are not okay. You follow me? This is the way that the Jezebels will seduce. They'll say, hey, just be more open-minded to these other ways of practicing your sexuality that are clearly against the teachings of Scripture. God is clear in his word on these things. And have you ever had like these thoughts of, you know, seduction and, you know, lust and sexual thoughts that you feel like, you ever feel like you're just being bombarded with them, you know, in an unusual way? It could be a Jezebel 
spirit that is bombarding you with the thoughts that are going to seduce you towards something that you don't want to do. See? And that's why you just say, Jezebel, don't hold me down. Could someone say it with me when I point to you? Ready? Jezebel, don't hold me down. Okay? So how many stories of spiritual leaders have we seen on our news feeds of men of God, women of God, that were seduced and had affairs and uh, fell in that way. Ask me how I know. You've heard me tell many times my story of over 20 years ago where I struggled in that area of my life. And in that equation, there was a Jezebel that I was enabling in that situation because this is what Jezebels do. And why is it that Jezebels are always after pastors or church staff members? Are those of you that are tribe leaders, are leaders of any sort in the church or in the community, your business leaders out there that you're a committed you know, Jesus follower in the business world or uh, out in the community? The reason that the Jezebel is gonna target you is because they know that if they can get the leader to fall, it's gonna have an impact on those that follow you, see? And look, there's always grace for us when we've fallen and struggled. We can always go to God for forgiveness, but there's still consequences, aren't there? And two of the consequences when we fall is that we have to watch the people that followed us struggle, feel disillusioned, and then we have to watch the name of Jesus drugged through the mud because of our own sin. So think about that the next time a Jezebel is seducing you. But look at the fifth characteristic of a Jezebel in this false doctrine. Revelation 2.20, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she's teaching. In this situation, the Jezebel was literally teaching in a church of Thyatira there. She declared herself a prophetess. And what Jezebels do is they love to infiltrate effective churches that are making an impact in the community. And then they just don't want to tweak the doctrine just a little bit. They don't mind if it's, it's not a full lie. It's a half truth or a partial truth because they just want to tweak the truth with a little bit of false doctrine to get the church off course. You see, to get the ministry off course, to get your business off course. And no matter how good they look or how good they sound, they always lead people from God's holy, inspired word. And oftentimes it's toward morals that are questionable, according to the scriptures, sexual immorality oftentimes. But look at number six, a Jezebel needs an Ahab to operate. You'll never see a Jezebel operating where there's not an Ahab that allows it to happen. Um, Ahab, King Ahab, was in the Old Testament of the Bible in First and Second Kings. He was a vile human toad squatted on the king's throne. And he was a passive man. And he was a selfish man. And Ahabs are always afraid of confrontation. They won't have crucial conversations. They won't have hard conversations. They want peace at any cost. They're people pleasers oftentimes. Because Ahab was passive doesn't mean that he wasn't successful though. A lot of Ahabs are very successful. Did you know that Ahab was the second most successful king of Israel when it relates to land acquisitions? He was second only to King Solomon. And another thing about Ahab's is that Ahab's actually like good Bible teaching a lot of times. Did you know that? 
If you go back to the Old Testament, you would see that that Ahab liked the teaching of Elijah. In fact, one time he even listened to Elijah and pretended to repent of his sin. But like a dog returns to its vomit, that Ahab returned to his old ways, see? Because Ahab's are hearers of the word, but not doers. And then if you fast forward to the New Testament of the Bible, you would see the Ahab there that was Herod Antipas that we looked at earlier. He liked the teaching of John the Baptist, the Elijah of the New Testament, but he didn't want to repent and turn from his sin ultimately. He listened to the word, but he wouldn't do the word. And look, I want to challenge you with something. Don't click like on a city tribe worship video or teaching and then go live like a player on the same day. Don't be an Ahab that hears the word and won't do anything about it, else you'll deceive yourself and you'll be worse off than you were before. So look at number seven. Jezebels never admit that they're wrong. Go with me back to Revelation 2.21. Jesus says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent. You know why Jezebel wouldn't repent and turn from her sin and obey God? Because she believes she knows better. He believes he knows better. A Jezebel person um, has always knows more than everyone else. See, have you ever known that person? You, you know that person in your life? You've never heard him say, I was wrong. Never heard him say, I made a mistake. Will you please forgive me? It's always you. It's always everybody else, but it's never them themselves. That's a Jezebel spirit won't repent. See, the name Jezebel literally means unhusband. And so look, in a marriage relationship, there has to be mutual submission for it to work. But see, a Jezebel won't mutually submit to a husband or a spouse of any sort because the Jezebel always knows better. The Jezebel won't mutually submit in a working relationship to the supervisor that will always cause these undercurrents and gossip, see, and turn people away from the manager or the leader at work. Jezebels always cause undercurrents in the church groups or the church things or in the home, see, because the Jezebel always knows better than whoever is in leadership or whoever they're supposed to mutually submit to, see? So here's a question for us. How do you know if there's a Jezebel in your life right now? How do you know? I'm gonna show you four, four ways that you can know. Number one is, is that there someone in your life who causes an unusual fear? Just They, they make you feel a sense of fear Remember what happened with Jezebel and Elijah, 1 Kings 19.3. Elijah, he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life. Fear is like a spirit, just like Jezebel. It only has power when we tolerate it. So when you feel a sense of fear from someone else, you have to say, Jezebel, don't hold me down. Someone say it with me when I point to you. Ready? Here we go. Jezebel, don't hold me down. Okay. But another way you know you might have a Jezebel spirit, if you see, a, if you have a strange sickness, and I'm not saying every sickness is from some Jezebel, but sometimes it can be. I believe that the fear that happens and the emotional 
exhaustion that comes from being around a Jezebel causes your autoimmune system to be compromised. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 22. Behold, Jesus says, I'm going to throw her, Jezebel, onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. So unexplained sicknesses. Have you ever, you ever had some sickness? You just, you just don't know why. Um, it could be that you've fallen under the false doctrine of the influence of someone with a Jezebel spirit. But look at this next one. Is there someone in your life that causes you to feel isolation and exhaustion? Have you ever had a person in your life just, I just want to get away from that person? You know, it's like Southwest Airlines. You want to get away, you know? You just want to get away. Well, that's the way Elijah felt about the Jezebel in his life. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Again, as verse uh, four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness just to get away from her. And look what happened next. It says he lay down, he slept under a broom tree, and then he woke up from that nap and he ate and drank and laid down again. Elijah was so exhausted by the Jezebel in his life, he had to take two naps in one passage of the Bible. I mean, she just wore him out here because Jezebel's cause ex uh, exhaustion and isolation for you. And I can remember a time when I felt this sense of exhaustion here at this church. And I was literally thinking about my exit strategy. I thought, maybe I'm not the right guy to be the pastor of City Tribe Church. And so I went to talk to my wife about it because I don't make any life decisions without telling my wife. And she says, no, Doug, you're the right person for the job at, at, at the church. But what dawned on me as we continued to talk was that I was emotionally exhausted and just wanted to get out of here, get away, because there were some people in the church who were manipulators, who were Jezebels that were exhausting me. And once I dealt with it, I didn't feel that exhaustion anymore. See, I had to say, Jezebel, don't hold me down, right? Someone want to say it with me? Ready? Jezebel, don't hold me down. So look, Here's, here's another one. Is there someone in your life right now who makes you feel depression or suicidal? Remember the way Elijah felt? Look at 1 Kings 19.4. Oh, Lord, take away my life. Thoughts of suicide are not always, but can be from a Jezebel spirit around you who is causing this exhaustion in you. Have you ever seen those stories of like a murder suicide? Well, oftentimes that can be a Jezebel spirit where um, the suicide happens. But here's the question. What do we do about it if we have a Jezebel spirit person manifesting the spirit in our lives? Well, here's a few things to consider. Number one, get some wise counsel. And I would suggest that you get wise counsel from at least two or three, maybe more godly people that you trust. Emphasis on godly people that think according to the scriptures. And here's why you do that. Because you want to make sure you're not part of the problem. And that leads us into the next one. You check your own heart. Because what is it if you accuse someone of being a Jezebel and they're not really a Jezebel, what does that make you? A freaking Jezebel, right on. That's what it makes you right there. Um, so look, this is not about finding the Jezebels around us. It's not just that. It's about rooting out the Jezebel within us. Because look, 
if I've got, you know, if you, if me, if we got like 10% Jezebel in our heart, we're responsible before God to take out 100% of the 10% of Jezebel that's within us. And for some of us today, it's like, man, you know, if I'm really honest with God, I've seen a little bit of manipulator in me. And we got to root that out today. We've got to say to that Jezebel within us, hey, Jezebel, you're not going to hold me down anymore. And I'm going to root that out. And I'm going to be a man, a woman of God, see? But the next thing you do, and this is the part that some of you are not going to like, is that you have to stand up to the Jezebel. You can't just pray Jezebel away. You can't hope Jezebel away. With a person, you can be gracious and kind yet truthful. But with a Jezebel spirit that never believes it's wrong, a Jezebel spirit that is not going to repent, you have to stand up to that Jezebel spirit. And the next one is for those of you that are leaders of any sort, you must remove the Jezebel from leadership that's under your authority. Because God challenges you and I, those of us who are leaders, that you, I have this against you, you tolerate the woman Jezebel. See? As leaders, we cannot tolerate this type of manipulation that affects other people that are under us. And then the last thing you do is you get alone with God. And remember what Elijah did. He got alone with God. And in that story, God was not in the earthquake and God was not in the fire and all of that. But God was in the still small voice. God spoke gently to Elijah when he got away, got alone with him. But uh, people don't often talk about what the still small voice said to Elijah. Do you remember what the still small voice said to him? Most of you don't. You know what the voice said? It said, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you still here? In other words, it's time to move on. And you know the second thing the still small voice said to Elijah? Go anoint, endorse, and appoint new leaders. You know why that's there? Because when you take out the Ahab and the Jezebel from the equation, it creates a space for something and someone better. And I can tell you this, the times in my life when I've been willing to prune the Jezebels out, I leveled up every single time. Every single time. And I want to ask you a question today. Is there a little bit of Jezebel in you or is there a Jezebel around you that needs to be pruned out of your life so that you can level up? So that you can experience something or someone better? Jesus even says there's a reward when you overcome the Jezebel spirit. Go with me back to Revelation 2.26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give two things, authority over the nations, and I will give him the morning star. If you have the courage to step up to and prune the Jezebel from your life, you will get a new level of authority and you'll get the morning star. You're like, Pastor Doug, what's the morning star? Well, the answer is in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, said, 
sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. Jesus says, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright, what? Morning star. Not only will you get more authority, but when you prune the Jezebel, you get more intimacy and revelation of Jesus, the morning star. See, there's nothing more valuable than more of Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. And as we bow, perhaps God by his spirit and through his word has said to you, there's a little bit of Jezebel in you that I think can be pruned away. And the appropriate prayer there is something like this. Maybe you just want to say to God in your own heart, God, I don't want to be like that. I confess it as sin. I ask forgiveness for being manipulative. And will you change me and give me a a heart that's filled with the Holy Spirit and self-control? I repent of just my little 10% Jezebel. And for others, as we sit before God, we have to repent of being Ahab's and allowing a Jezebel to operate. And maybe just say to God right now, God, I'm sorry I've tolerated this and I've carefully considered this and this other person in my life is a Jezebel and I'm going to have to prune that relationship out. God, help me. I I don't want to speak something on this person, but I just know that it's having a, this person's having a bad effect on me. And God, the best that I know how I want to speak it to them in truth and love and grace, but I'm totally willing to prune the Jezebel out of my life so that I can receive a greater authority and a greater intimacy with you, Jesus the bright and morning star. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, as we wrap up today, just a couple of things. Of course, as always, our prayer leaders are gonna be down front to pray with you after the service, if that would be helpful for you. Uh, Maybe you're struggling with the idea of dealing with that Jezebel in your life and just have someone pray for you down front here. But the other things I wanna um, mention is one is related to what's called our Eagle Dinner. How many of you, just show me a hand real quick, if you've volunteered in any capacity around the church here. It could be a tribe group leader, Kids City, any of that, volunteered in the parking lot, any of it. Secure, yeah, good, good. Okay, I see those hands around there. All of you who raise your hands, I want to ask you, if you've not already done it, go out to the Tribe Connect tent and get registered for the Eagle Dinner that's happening right here in the Cameo this Friday night. And here's why I really, really want you to be there. Don't make me go Jehu on you, okay? Don't make me throw you out of a building because, look, we, we really want to honor you because we know that we could not do this ministry around here with, without the help of our Eagle volunteers. You guys are making such a huge difference and we want to honor you with a dinner and it's kind of a costume party. It's going to be a party. There's going to be a little dance, stuff like that. You don't have to dance. If you're like me and you're just like the middle school guy that stands against the wall, you know, it's okay too. But, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And it, the, the theme of the party is the Roaring Twenties. So think Beaky Binders, okay? So if, you, if you've got one of those Newsboys hats, you know, you, you can wear that if you're one of our Eagle volunteers and uh, ladies, where he goes. So if you're an Eagle, you know, right after service, go out to that tent 
and make sure you're registered for the Eagle Dinner this Friday night. Hey, Pris and the team have been working really hard to put on an amazing event for you, and I think you're going to feel honored and loved by it. Um, next week, we're going to keep talking about spiritual warfare here, and I'm going to be talking about soul ties. Have you ever like, felt somehow emotionally tied to a person that's out of your life now, but you just can't seem to move on, or you feel infatuated with this person from the past, or you're still, still wounded from someone um, from your past? Well, we'll talk about how to uh, cut those soul ties next Sunday. And I think it'll be really practical and helpful for a lot of us. And then the last thing I've been asked to remind you about is that our offering is like we, we bring a first fruit tithe here. A lot of it's what it's called. And what first fruit means, it's like a high priority, a first priority. So Jesus, uh, he wants to be the first priority for me and you in, in every facet of our lives including our resources and our finances. So that's why a lot of us, the first check or electronic deposit that goes out of our accounts after payday is our first fruit tithe. That's what we do. And so we're so grateful for those of you that do that because it funds all this awesome stuff where people are being served and helped. So let's stand together now before you guys worship through your, uh, your tithes and offerings and all of that. And if you're comfortable to put an arm around someone next to you, you know, join hands with someone next to you, And dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, may you overcome the control and manipulations of the Jezebel. May you walk from here proudly saying, Jezebel, don't hold me down. And then as you go from here, may you step into your new authority and a new revelation and intimacy with Jesus. You guys have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.